Welcome to episode 325 of the AMPM podcast. My guest this week is Rolando Rosas. Rolando is a nearly eight-figure seller, been doing it for about 20 years, about 10 years on Amazon. And we talk about his story, about some cool strategies he's using with PPC and what he's done to really improve his bottom line, as well as a lot of other really cool stuff, some mindset and different strategies. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the AMPM Podcast. Welcome to the AMPM Podcast. We explore opportunities in e-commerce. We dream big and we discover what's working right now. Plus, plus, this is the podcast where money never sleeps. Working around the clock in the AM and the PM. Are you ready for today's episode? I said, I said are, are you, you ready? Ready? Let's do this. Let's do this. Here's your host, Here's your host Kevin King. Kevin King. What's up, Rolando Rosas? What's up, Kevin? I'm uh, glad to be here and uh, join you. It's uh, it's nice to have you on the AMPM podcast. You know, I think we've met in person somewhere in the past, but I'm really yes. bad with faces. Uh, maybe <laughs> we'll tell that story in a second. But the reason you're on here, actually, is, okay. you, you know, we do these Helium 10 Elite roundtables. And I've gotten to know you a little bit over the last several months uh, on these roundtables. And for, for those of you who don't know, Helium 10 Elite is the most advanced uh, version of, of Helium 10 software. And uh, coming with that uh, package is uh, a monthly training where we bring on different guests. And I, I do like seven ninja hacks. And then we do special in-person events uh, every three months uh, that are included for free for those members. They, they do weekly roundtables with some of the Helium 10 staff. And then once a month, I jump on a round table and we just, uh, it's a Zoom call and it's like 20 to 40 of us, 50 of us sometimes on there. Mm -hmm. And we just uh, kick it. I mean, we just talk about whatever is happening, uh, help each other out. Uh, there's no set agenda. It's uh, it's pretty cool. It goes for several hours. And you're one of the ones that's always contributing and always like got something to say and something to ask. Like, man, you got to come on the AM PM podcast. <laughs> you know what? I've really come out of my shell um, more recently, you know, I did not do any of those shows or conferences, and I just like you know I'm too busy for any of that stuff. And then um, I happened to run into uh, Chad Rubin, and we mm -hmm. started doing some work together. And he's like, "You ought to meet this person, this person." And eventually, um, I, I met some some more people. And I'll get back how we met, but yeah, on Helium Ten, uh, that that roundtable, you know. I've been in e-commerce for 20 years and there's folks that are at the beginning, somewhere in the middle or some that are way past me. But I figure, you know what, let me just share what I have. And and as an Amazon seller, you know how hard that could be because you're sitting sometimes somebody tells you do X and it's going to explode your keywords or whatever. Right. Or mm -hmm. more people will watch you if you do this. And you're like, mm, I'm going to play it tight to the best. I ain't giving them that away. I'm not giving that away. Uh, and you know that that's the, that's the community we're in, right? But then then there's things that you feel, you know, I think a, a lot more people would benefit if this was out there. And it, it's hard for people to, you know, feel comfortable. And we're, we're kind of in a group of, I don't know all those people that are in, in that round table, but I feel, you know what, if we really want to develop a connection with people, you got to give. Right. They got to know this guy's coming from a place of, of genuinely wanting to help others. And you know what? Over time, those same people that I really don't know, and to me, they're strangers, they're going to be like, hey, Rolando, or hey, Kevin, you know what? I've stumbled across this. And I think you, you're in that arena, and, I, and they'll be beneficial if you took a look at this. And you know what? They're going to give back as well. 
And you just did that, actually. You know, one, one of the things that Helium 10 likes is hearing feedback from sellers of things that they want. You know, the Cerebro tool was actually developed uh, out of something that uh, Tomer uh, Ravinovich was doing uh, on his own in spreadsheets. And then on this last roundtable, you actually shared a pretty cool strategy that you're doing. And mm -hmm. I hope that he, I already talked to Bradley about this. Uh, oh, really? And we even okay. talked about it on a, a podcast a couple weeks ago that saying, hey, you got to take a look at this. You got, we got to incorporate this some, some way into Helium 10 and tell people what, what you're doing with that. It's, it's really fascinating. Yeah. So the hardest thing on Amazon is to know what to do with the mountain of data. We, there's, we are drowning in data and it's, it's like drinking out of a fire hose, right? And the only way to really make sense of it is to break it down into chunks that are bite-sized and then you could do something about it. The hardest thing for somebody that's, let's say, not an analyst, not a statistician, not a mathematician, is to take a look, even in Helium 10, we use Helium 10, and other platforms and to take a look at data and say, this is what I need to do with what I'm looking at and apply it to my business, right? You definitely have to listen to Bradley to give you the tips and pointers on how to do that. Here's where to put this and how to filter for that. But what if I could take a really relevant number or a set of data and make it so that I can see it and understand it? And that's exactly what we did. So one of the assumptions that a lot of PPC people say is, You've got to run PPC ads all the time and you don't know when people are going to click in the morning, day or night, or maybe on Sunday, they, you hear this, you, I'm sure you've heard this, people browse on Sunday and then buy on Monday. I could tell you right now from the evidence we've looked at, that does not bear out. Not for us. People will browse on Sunday, but it doesn't show up on Monday as a, as a click or as a buy or as a purchase in any way, shape or form. The volume is too small. The purchase is too small. So we set out with a theory in mind. Most people buy our products Monday through Friday. And within that, is there a set of golden hours that we can take a look at and then take our budget, take our resources and just pour right into those golden hours? Turns out there is. And not only that, but we were able to look at a real tight window when a bulk of the orders. So, for example, Saturday and Sunday, totally not worth advertising anymore. Not doing it. So we've been go started day parting. And what allowed us to take a look at this was taking data that was already in Amazon. We created a spreadsheet with all of our orders and then created a heat map around it so that we could literally see Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays. So you downloaded like one year's worth of orders yep. and, and parse that out to see exactly when the sales are coming in by, by the hour. Correct. Yes, that's right. We created a table, uh, and then from that table, we were able to, to, to look at the overall picture. So for us, Monday through Friday, good. Saturday, Sunday, 5 to 10% of our orders came from the weekends. And so it doesn't make sense. It won't move the needle if I pour resources into that. But if I pour it into the 90 to 95% where most of the eyeballs are there, then I can actually do something. I'll go even further. The data, if we're looking at this, bringing it down by weekdays and creating that heat map, we were able to see that orders tend to be front-loaded, at least for us, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Thursday and Friday, still better than the weekend, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday um, are better days for more activity. And on Fridays, like during the summer, what we see is that on some products, the drop-off is dramatic. Around 4 p.m. to the evening, there are virtually no orders. So if I'm pouring money into PPC on a Friday, I want to cut that off at 4 p.m. 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 
they're, they're in orders. So the people that are looking for our products um, are mostly people in the office, right? So if you're selling into the office space and in office products, that person probably has to be in front of their computer. And patterns are hard to, to erase. You know, you get up in the morning, maybe you brush your teeth and, you know, you shower. And millions of people do that every single day, Monday through Friday. The same applies for Amazon. Where's that pattern? And separate that from the noise. And if you can hone in on a pattern, it's hard to break a pattern. Millions of people every day, every morning going to come in, whether they're working virtually or in the office, type in their computer, log in and start doing some activity. Let's find that pattern and establish that on Amazon. And that's what we were able to zero in on the uh, heat map that you were talking about. So prior to doing this, you were just basically running the same advertising campaigns 24-7, seven days a week. More or less. That's right. And I'm assuming you're, you had a, a, you know, your tacos at that point was, I don't know what, what that number was. And then as soon as you started doing this day parting and said to heck with the weekend, to heck with after six o'clock at night on Fridays, we don't need to do anything before, I don't know, nine o'clock in the morning, uh, Monday, Monday through Friday either. Let's just do nine to six or whatever, whatever, they, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Right. What has happened with the tacos in the bottom line as a result of that? Uh, well, uh, I'll tell you what, you get better return on investment. Uh, your tacos improve, uh, the all-familiar ACOS number, that will improve. Uh, because what you find is that the, your ideal customer is online at that time. And if you're targeting your, targeting your ideal customer, then that dollar, every single dollar you're investing, will get much better return than if you're um, you know, trying to target that customer that maybe could be a customer, or maybe they're just shopping around. So what we're trying to do is target that mid to bottom level funnel customer that is has more serious intent, right? Um, and Amazon is more of a platform where you will find more buyers that have that intent to purchase rather than browsing. You know, I buy on Amazon. You probably you also probably are on Amazon buying. And there are sometimes you do some research. But I would say if I even look at my own behavior. I kind of have an idea of what I want to get when I'm going of Amazon. It's just, does, is there a vendor that has it? Is there a seller that's got what I'm, what I'm looking for? And if so, buy, right? Do you only do office uh, or, or products aimed at the office market, or do you have other products that are not office-oriented products? Yeah, we don't do supplements. We don't do, you know, kitchen category. It's basically, if it's sitting on your desk, uh, that's pretty much what we're, what we're targeting. Um, and that's what I've been doing for 20 years. So you've been doing it on Amazon for 20 years or you've been doing it off Amazon before that and you migrated it onto Amazon? The second. So I, we started off as a Yahoo store. This is you. <laughs> and when you say we, is you? Is it your company or is it you and some partners? My, my company. So I started this company in 2002. Um, and then my, my wife joined in later. She was still doing her work full time. Uh, and, but, but I started this thing in my kitchen with an old computer from college. It was a seven year old computer, uh, a seven year old printer and a wall phone that I put in my kitchen. And that's how I started the business. And you were selling back then there wasn't a Shopify or anything. There's all kinds of, uh, so it was different kinds of software, you know, tying into plug and pay or one of those uh, authorized.net or one of those. Fill in this form and fax us the order. My oh, fax. goal. Okay. Yes. Yes. My fax. goal when I started, I said, you know, if I can have a fax machine that literally is cranking out paper orders all day long, I'm going to be rich like there's nobody's business. You know, a faxes machine, nobody really uses that for order orders. And, but that was kind of my goal. 
you know. Did you have it I on a rollover? I mean, because if if you're ramping up and someone tries to hit, hit that fax number and it's busy signal, ding, 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 ding. Did you have it like, because I used to do this. I mean, I, when I was in college, I'm a little bit older than you, but I remember getting my first fax machine in like 1988. And I was wow. like, you know, I don't, this thing costs like $2,000 or something. I thought it was the coolest thing. I had it in my little dorm, uh, not my dorm, but my apartment. And I was doing stuff similar to you. I was selling business to business and doing some stuff on the side. And I ended up getting a rollover number where so if the first number was busy, it would roll over to a second number. And so I had a second fax machine on that one. So that way no one ever got a busy signal. Did you yeah. do anything like that? I yes, I so I had two lines so that okay. if it, if a if line A was busy, busy you could go to line B. You know I get this. So I had a client this was years ago. He wanted us this because we do some services on the um, as well tied into the hardware we do. He wanted to set up a bank of almost forty faxes because that's how much business they was coming through the door. I need 40 machines and I need you to tie them all together and it has to work intelligently so that none of the lines are ever busy. We need those max, uh, fax machines to be able to take in orders and documents at all times. Now, some people listening here probably don't know what a fax machine is. <laughs> Two uh, dinosaurs uh, talking here. For, for, well, a fax machine, is like, it's like a little printer that sits on, on your desk and you would actually, it's like a photocopier through the telephone line, basically. So you would take a, you'd have a fax machine on the other end and you would take a piece of paper and you would th run it through the fax machine and basically, in essence, photocopy it. And it would send it to another machine somewhere else. You'd dial a phone number and that machine would actually reprint what you had uh, scanned on, on one side. That, that's, uh, that's what a fax machine is. It, it got to the that's point where you could have virtual fax. I think even now you can yes. have virtual yeah, fax oh, yeah, machines. No, you can do it. It's so much easier. You get a phone number and it sends it right over to your email and you have your, essentially a copy of whatever document. Right so were people going to a website and like seeing your products and then yes. having to fax in the order? Yes. Like like print off an order, print an order form page or something and like manually write it in? So we, they were doing two things. One, there was a you know big at the top and at the bottom. We had our phone number so they could call in and call us. And we talk about what they wanted and they give us their credit card over the phone. That was one way to, to, to get in touch with us. The other one was, like you said, here's a form, and we had a PDF online. You printed it out. You filled in your credit card information, and you sent your order with the item you wanted and quantity over the fax machine. So we already had your credit card. You told us you wanted 10 of these, and then we charged your card and sent the product off to you. Manually had to type in the number. Literally. Uh, in, into a little, in, back then, probably into a terminal. Yes. Yes. Not even, yes. Not even online, but into a, into a terminal. Yeah, like a PayPal terminal um, or some one of those credit card companies that would have a terminal that you could log into and then, you know, you print, you input the information. You know, back yeah. when I, just a side story, when I was uh, 23, I think it was, I lived in Austin. I, I'd, I went to school at Texas A&M, graduated from Texas A&M University, came to Austin, lived on the couch of some buddies for a year, sold T-shirts on the UT campus and uh all over and then ended up moving to Arizona and I had a little direct mail business. And I remember I had one of those little terminals, it's like a little box. You kind of mm. see them sometimes now in the retail oh, stores. Oh yeah, with a keypad on it. You're talking with about a the little keypad, keypad on it. Yeah, yes. you can, yes. you could either, you could scan the card, the, the magnetic stripe, yeah. and then type in uh, how much to charge them. I remember I had an apartment in Phoenix, um, this about 1993, 1992, I guess. And I didn't have an ethernet jack. In this apartment, you know, that wasn't common back there or whatever it right. was. Uh, you need to have some sort of 
uh, jack uh, that I, I didn't have, or maybe I didn't have phone service. That's what it was. I don't know. There was something where I had to actually take my little machine and drive up the street a little ways to the 7-Eleven. And I would ask the 7-Eleven, said, hey, can I temporarily plug my machine into your wall and to use your, <laughs> your, your line? And uh, they actually let me do it. And that's, I would sit there and charge my cards for my, my mail-in oh. orders and then, and then hit the submit button for close the batch for the day and then uh, head yeah. home. It was, uh, you know, entrepreneurs do some crazy things sometimes. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, the availability of, it wasn't called broadband back then, but dial-up services or, or ISDN. I, this is before yeah. I was in the Amazon business. I worked for Altria, um, a Fortune 100 company. And all of our work, everything we sent in had to be on an ISDN line because it was a little faster than dial-up. Yeah, it's- uh, not as fast as a T1, though. Not as fast as a T1, but faster Not than the Not as fast as the T1. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you had to, that's how you send all your work in. Uh, but not everywhere could you get an ICN line. So I'm sure that wherever you were, there may not have been any, uh, there may be a network or something where you could get a, even a dial-up modem. Yeah, it, it just, you just remind me of that story where I was like doing anything to you know, make 100 bucks or 200 bucks or whatever yeah, it is to know, stay alive. You know, I re- in high school, I went door to door selling uh, everything, <laughs> everything. And I didn't know at that time, but it really was good training to become an entrepreneur. And um, I got, kind of got this into the entrepreneur thing by accident. I, in the early 2000s, so the dot-com bubble burst, right? A mm-hmm. lot of tech and telecom people were out of work. I was one of those. And for months, I couldn't find a job, no matter where I went. It, it, there was too many telecom people all applying for the same few positions. And I had a couple of boxes of this stuff sitting in a closet. And I thought, you know, I, I really don't like this company. I could just burn it I, and I'd feel better. But then I thought, you know what? I'm going to do something better than that. I'm going to see if I could dial up some other clients that I've worked with in the past. And maybe they want to take this stuff off my hands. Sure enough, somebody took a meeting and, I, and she said, you know what? You don't have enough. We want more. Can you get must? Can you get more of that for us? And then the kind of light bulb went off, and I'm like, "Huh, there's probably a business here." And I was just purely thinking of unloading this stuff instead of putting it in the landfill. And then I thought, "Okay, where am I going to get? I don't have a I don't have a line of credit. This is again right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. One of my first customers. And I thought, you know, and let me call some of the people that I knew that were suppliers. This is all reselling equipment, by the way. And just on my name alone, they say, okay, we'll give you a line of credit. Okay. Got the line of credit. Was able to actually ship the product to this client. And from there, then I thought, okay, what do I need to do? I, okay. I got to get a car. I got to get business cards. I got to go do a website. And then I thought, you know, I don't want to travel everywhere in my car. This is 2002. And I want to go all across the country because I knew clients everywhere in the U.S. at the time. And I don't really want to travel and it's going to take forever. I said, you know, why don't we try this web thing? And we'll bet, I bet we could probably sell to clients everywhere and it amplifies my efforts. So I got, I finally got somebody to put a website up for us was what we were talking about. Very, you couldn't really add to cart back then. And that grew from just being in my kitchen to where I am today. But that's how I got started in the entrepreneurial game, just really backed into it out of necessity. But then I realized as I was going, you know, there is a need for the products that, that we sell and the way it's being sold, it's too complicated. It gets back to our conversation about Amazon. 
the data out there on what to do is there, but it's, it's like drinking out of a fire hose. And it was this kind of similar situation for our products for a lot of the customers that were buying the type of products that we sell. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to make it very easy so that when customers decide, you know, we got to put in a phone system in our office and we know we need what speaker phones in our, in our conference rooms and headsets to put on our people. I, I know how to get to it because there's literally thousands and now there's even tens of thousands of options. And that is a kind of a paralysis by analysis, way too much information. So we made it easier to get what you need when you have employees, when you send them home and they need to work from home. And that it was my angle for the longest of time. This is just easy. Just hit these, but come over here, check this out. You'll, you'll be able to get what you need within a matter of minutes rather than like, oh my God, I'm freaking out where I got to get this part from over here, that part from over there. This, and that was kind of the, the standard. Um, when it came to type of the equipment, the hardware that, that people would use when they have people in the office. So it's everything you need uh, in one package, basically, and you don't have to worry about stringing things together or, or whatnot. So basically yep. like a, bu a bundle in, in a way. Yep. So yep. in the beginning, this was somebody else's brand, but is it still somebody else's brand that you're selling or now are you selling your own private label so we've, we've now, now that we've been on Amazon going almost on 10 years, we do have a private label that we sell on Amazon, but we're still reselling, which for so many people, if you're, if you, if you watch social media, there's a lot of, uh, salesmanships out there uh, or sellers or, or people selling services that to talk about drop shipping. And it goes something like this, go to helium 10, find the highest search product, right? Go to Alibaba sell that product on Alibaba. Um, and they're selling you a ba bad bill of goods because they're not really doing a good service by telling you that. Because you can do some drop shipping, you could do private label, you could do both. But in order to succeed on Amazon as a reseller or even as a private label person or a company or brand, you really have to understand that Amazon's platform is unlike any other. You know, Kevin, the first year on Amazon, we only sold $10,000 worth of sales. Nothing, nothing. That's literally, I would say nothing. It's a, we probably lost money. And that's because we wanted to apply the exact same logic and metrics that we had on our own. We had big commerce on our big commerce store where we were doing just fine. And just say, okay, we just, you know, put a picture here and an image there and da, 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 same description. Yeah, we'll sell. And nothing. $10,000. So then we come into the game thinking we got to change this up. We got to, we got to figure this out because it's not quite the same rules. And after we made those changes, every month got better after that. Oh, oh my, we had, we had, we finally had our first six figure month and our mid six figure months. And then we made, you know, top six figure month. And then it was, and it just, you know, kind of builds. And then you start talking to people like yourself that are, you know, wizards of this game. And then you're like, oh, wow, we could take this to the next level. I mean, this guy knows a ton. I mean, I remember sitting next to you, you and Norm, who I was just, I was telling you, I was just listening to your podcast with Norm. And I met both of you in the same, at the same time, at the same event in, in New York. You were at a, an event, uh, I think it was the first New York event that Amazon had. The first one, like where Amazon Accelerate. I've never been to any of Amazon's. Or was shows. it Chad Rubin's Accelerate? It was one of it, those it, two. It was probably Chad Rubin's. Okay. Uh, Chad so. Rubin did an event where uh, I ended up winning the hat contest, and like okay. a suitcase full of uh, dollar bills or something like that. Yes. So you were sitting at the table at dinner with him, 
and you actually were next to me. And Chad was, you got to meet Kevin. You got to meet Kevin. And I heard that name. I'm like, Kevin King, who is he? And you sat right next to me, and we were talking about um, catalog stuff. You're like, you know, this is what goes on, and, you know, try this and try that. And I'm like, this guy really knows what he's talking about. Because you hear, you know, you've been around this. There's people that are BS artists. They know something, but it's a lot of BS. They don't really know. They're not really in the game. They don't understand it. There are very few what I would call experts that really understand how to make things work on Amazon. And I, I, I hold you in that regard. You, Chad, you know, and I probably have to norm. Uh, you guys are in that kind of um, group, right? I think it's more for me. It's... I know a lot about Amazon, but there's people that know a lot more than me of the inner workings. And but I, I know an, I know quite a bit, but there, there's much bigger experts than me. But I think my strength is I've been doing this so long in direct marketing. I bring a, a different perspective to it. A lot of people get into this and they have no business experience, no direct marketing experience. I've been doing this since before Google existed. You know, <laughs> I, I still do it direct mail today. I started off as in direct mail. You know, I was named Target Mar- Marketing Magazine, which is like a direct mail magazine. Named me when I was like 22, one of the top 40 marketers under 40 uh, in, in that space. So that's what I think gives me an edge over a lot of other people is I can come to this with a different perspective than just what you learned on a YouTube video or what you learned in a Facebook group or, or what you learned by trial and error. And I think that's what gives me the an advantage and a different perspective of looking at things rather than just cookie cutter like so many people do. Well, and you think about this, Kevin, where Amazon is a game of many different pillars. And somebody recently said something and the light bulb went off for me. Amazon, for me, the way I see it now, it's a game of digital real estate, like Monopoly, right? Mm -hmm. Monopoly, you have the entire board, but if you just put your eggs in one basket, you know, the most expensive property, and that's what I'm going to get, you're missing out on a whole bunch of other things. And the way to win, and and this is, you know, if I was, I'm, a, I'm still, we still resell. And a lot of manufacturers want to really eliminate, you know, um, different, even authorized resellers. And I think it's a really yeah, they wrong They want to go approach. direct. They want to bypass, take, they want to take your margin. And you've already built a listing. That's a risk, I think, for you. You've built a listing. You've optimized this thing. They could at, at any time, uh, even though you have a contract, I'm sure, with them, at any time they yep. could still yank it from you. Yes. And just go on to and take advantage of all your hard work and just go oh. right back on that same listing and do whatever the heck they want as the brand owner. As That's a, a huge risk I see in reselling is I would always be looking over my shoulder. Yes. And that's why I asked you, do you have the private label too? I would be trying to develop something in parallel so that if that did happen, because you're, you're playing with someone in someone else's sandbox, they control it. You don't ultimately control it. Right. Well, let me, let me tell you how we've been able to overcome that problem and what I see as the Achilles heel in that, in that model. Uh, having, been, uh, having worked for a manufacturer like Altria, which is a big powerhouse, bigger than any of the brands. If you took all the brands that we resell today, they still don't have one-tenth of the sales of what Altria has. So, what does Altria uh, sell? They, Altria's Marlboro, Craft uh, Foods. They own okay. a bunch of... Okay. Okay. And all of them... All of, all of the, those big brands depend on distribution and getting their product to market, right? The masses. So you, you could go direct on, on the front end, like an e-commerce side. But in reality, those businesses rely on payments from the big distributors that buy millions from them. So they don't have to rely on teeny little payments from all of the customers. 
And so if I can get my cash flow from, you know, millions at a time, truckloads from a supplier that's buying truckloads from me, my cash is more stable that way. I can control it better. Now, let's jump into the Amazon side when we talk about that. So these manufacturers that also want to go to direct on the back end for them, they don't have the manpower to manage Amazon. And that's from talking to all of them. And I talked to just recently to a multinational beauty brand. They have three people that manage Amazon for a multi-billion dollar beauty brand, mind you, a lawyer and two people on the, on the, on the team. That's it. You cannot win on Amazon with three people if you're a multi-billion dollar company. This is going to be difficult. And the problems they had were real counterfeiting and, and, and products going sideways and, and unauthorized resellers that were lowering their prices and just creating a mess. You can't do that with three people. You got to have a team and you got to have a way to make sure that that team is on board with your game plan. Otherwise, you get crashes. And that's what's happening on Amazon, even with these bigger brands that we're reselling. The problems they'd have if they went on it by themselves, they went it alone, would be much greater than what they have today. And some of us, they just hire, put a forty, fifty thousand dollars a year person that just graduated with an MBA thinking they know what they're doing. And, and they, they, have, they have no clue and they really don't care. Uh, ultimately, yeah. I mean, this is a guerrilla marketing business. You've got to be nimble. You got to be able to move quick. It's not a punch the clock nine to five job. It's a 24 hour, seven day a week for, for most accounts. I mean, yours is you can take the weekend off, uh, but to some degree, you still got to watch to make sure that something didn't, bad didn't happen. But yeah, that's where uh, corporate, that's where these corporations, they're, they're having a hard time uh, making Amazon work. And sometimes they work just by default, you know, they're Nike or they're Adidas or something like that. And, and even they just, Nike's not on the platform anymore. It was too disastrous, too disastrous for them, right? Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, a lot of the big brands, backed off it. You know, they, they claimed it on counterfeiting and control and stuff like this. But in some of that may be true, but it's also they don't know what the hell they're doing. And this is not the, just like you said it earlier. Most of these companies rather sit back and just talk to one guy, some big distributor and Ingram Micro or something yep. or who the big distributor is for them and let them handle and get these big checks rather than dealing with all this day to day in and outs. And they leave a lot of money on the table. And the aggregators are, are the most recent example of this, where a lot of them got into this think it's kind of easy and, and they apply in a corporate mentality to it. And that just doesn't work uh, when, you, when you're when you're scratching uh, an e-commerce, whether it's Walmart or Amazon or mm-hmm. Shopify or whatever it is. It, it just doesn't work that way. Well, you look, I, I did corporate jobs up until 2002 when I started this business and the pace, even if even if you work for a tech company that tends to be, you know, faster than most it is nowhere near the pace Amazon wants you to work, right? Think about the moment somebody complains and put in a one-star review. These guys are bums. They sold me bad product. And how fast that can take your BSR down because nobody wants to buy your product, right? Or you get several of those. Or Amazon takes your listing down because one word appears and their bot happened to magically think that you're doing something wrong because of one word. Or you yeah. get somebody that really wants to take you down and hijacks your listing and inserts some bad um, set of phrases in there. If somebody's doing a nine-to-five job, like most of these big brands, the guy or girl that's in charge of that, let's say, effort, let's call it the Amazon effort, on Friday afternoon, they're looking at the clock. It's Friday, J- July I'm going to my barbecue here at five. You know, problems be damned. I'll handle it on Monday or Tuesday, right? Yep. And that's the mindset for most people that work corporate jobs when they're told, hey, Joe, 
you've been handed the Amazon responsibility to drive that train for us. Okay, that sounds like fun, but they don't even realize what, <laughs> how much work that's going to be. So how big is your team now? Uh, I have, we're now going on 18, 18, 19 folks that all play different roles on, on different parts of the organization. And you're at seven or eight figures or what, what general roundabout numbers are you at? We're just, just a hair below eight. Like I want to maybe buy some product on Amazon (laughs) one year to just get us over the hump and say, we're going to be an eight figure seller. But you know what? Uh, Kevin, something that more recently for me that's become more important than just like eight figure, nine figure and all the rest is how much of that are you taking home to the bank? That's right. That's all that matters. Right? Because there are uh, sellers that make seven or eight figures. And they don't and have two nickels to rub together. Exactly. And not even, I'm going to give you something even more important than that. You can have those two nickels in your bank, but if you're not able to take time off, whether it's with your partner, your loved one, your friends, your spouse, or, and, and the activities you want to do, what does it matter? I mean, we we're talking about health earlier, right? Yep. It is important for entrepreneurs to know that if you're making seven figures, take as much as you can uh, in trying to make your operation profitable. Eight figures, nine figures, doesn't matter. You want to be able to be profitable. And if you can, use time to spend it with the things that you want to do or activities or people or whatever. And that's so important because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And being profitable allows an operation to do many more things than the eight-figure sellers, like you said, that's just rubbing two nickels and barely making it and barely making payroll payments. That's what people always ask, Kevin, what, what kind of sales do you do? And why, You should be like an eight or nine-figure seller as much as you know, as many people as you know. I'm like, that's not my goal. I've been there. I've had 16 people in an office, you know, with diff- and paid that overhead and had that responsibility of, you know, you got all those families to feed in addition to yourselves. Like, I don't want to go back there. I'd rather have smaller, you know, be a smaller seven figure seller and enjoy my, have my freedom and my quality of life. And so I base the products I sell on what I do around that. You know, I have mm-hmm. one of my businesses, it makes probably, uh, you know, I've got uh, several different Amazon businesses. One of them probably does about $700,000 total and gross top line sales per year, which is nothing, you know, people could laugh at that, like 700,000, that's, that's nothing. But out of that 700,000, it can potentially put, you know, in, uh, I got a, someone else that's involved in that, but it could potentially put 500 to 600,000 in our pocket. The margins are that good. That, that right there, uh, and that's, that's awesome. with no, no PPC. No PPC, no launches. I mean, it's a it's a very niche product, and it's mm-hmm. a very niche down thing. And we just literally put it up, and uh, it, we do it That's right. And I, I know how to do it right, and how to grow it, and how to get it tied into uh, the frequently bought together, and all this kind of stuff. And that's what it's about to me. It's not about beating my chest and saying, you know, I'm, I'm, my sales are bigger than yours. And that's what I think a lot of people get lost in is they they want to have bigger sales or feel like they have the nicest house on the block mm-hmm. or whatever. But I'm able to travel last year. I just not counting conferences and, you know, Amazon conferences. My wife and I took 11 trips. You know, we went to the World Cup finals. We went to Dubai. We went to St. Lucia. We went to Paris. We went to London. We went to Cancun. We went to uh, Cabo San Lucas. Uh, we went to on Alaskan cruise. We went to Aspen. We went to Panama City. I mean, the, we did what we wanted to do. And this business oh. allowed me to do that. And that's, that's what's most important. And I think exactly like what you said, is people lose sight of that. And they quit their corporate job to get, a, to get freedom, and they end up being a slave uh, mm-hmm. to their own, own business and working more right. longer hours and 
wondering why this thing's not working and why their relationship or their family and their health and everything else is, is going into the toilet. You know, uh, Kevin, last year I wanted to throw in the towel. I was completely exhausted, completely. I had my, I was, I was, I was like, How could, could I get an aggregator? Just give me, give me a nice big package to get out of all this. But part of that was my frustration of not being able to do what I really wanted to do, which is I love taking downtime. Uh, I live just outside the nation's capital. We have beautiful trails. Uh, I live near the river. I walk with my dog. You know, I have a little one, so we take walks as well. And I couldn't get to do that. And I, that to me, that's joy. And then for you, maybe like taking cruises with your wife and, you know, being able to do that on a regular basis gives you such joy and, 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 and a sense of accomplishment, right? And in 2022, I said, had set my goal. I am going to not do what I was doing before. And I got to the end of the year this year and I was in a totally different place because I got to take, I took time off. I took more vacation and I had not purposely in, intent on taking vacation since my last job. I was working at, at the corporate job where you get, you know, I got, you get your vacations and you go off and you go away. Like you say, your corporate mentality. Well, why can't I bring that into my work? And mm -hmm. the important part is to bring that into your work. And you could do that when you're profitable. That's where I was going with that. If you're not profitable, the amount of stress that's on you is insane. So having seven or eight figures means nothing if you don't have profitability. I mean, I set my freedom schedule first before I set my business schedule. So I will, I will book a trip. Like I'm, I'm setting some of my trips for this year. Like we're going to go to Japan, but I will book that first and then organize the business around that, not the business first. And when can I squeeze in a vacation? It's the other way around. And most people don't do that. That's, that's not their priority. I mean, you know, you only get one life and live it, live it, live it. now. Don't, you never know what's going to happen. If you're going to get hit by a bus, you're going to get pneumonia and die. Yeah. Just recently you saw what happened to uh, someone in the NFL. You just never know. And so my thing is live now. Uh, yeah. you might have to do a little bit of work to get to a point where you can do that. You know, I'm not saying yep. you can just flip a switch and, and, and live for the now and be able to afford whatever it is that you want to do. But some people say, I don't have the money to travel or I don't have the money to, to do this. Yes, you do. It's a matter of priorities. It's a matter of what you focus on and make happen. S people say they don't have the money to travel. That doesn't mean that you got to go stay in the four seasons and fly first class. I mean, yeah. if that's what your goal is, then you need to, you know, something that'll help you pay for that. But you can also go comfortably and most people in an economy class and stay in a, you know, more budget type of place. And you can still have those experiences because life is about the experiences yes. you have and the people you meet. It's not about how much money you have in the bank account or how pretty your house is or what the physical objects in your life are. It, it's those, those things, they break, they die off, you trade them off, you throw them away. Um, they deteriorate, um, they depreciate, um, but experiences don't. And you'll have those, you'll be telling stories for the rest of your life to your grandchildren, to your friends, you know, whatever. Those things never go away. And that's what, to me, is most important as being an entrepreneur and selling in this Amazon space. And I think it's something a lot of people lose sight of. Yeah. And I think that, uh, like you said, there's a, a lot of misconceptions out there. People tell you that this is passive income. It is totally not. Do not get into Amazon thinking that if you're listening to this, do not get into Amazon thinking you're going to sit back and the cash is just going to pour in uh, because it's not and that it will keep. That's the other thing, you know, Kevin, you can get into Amazon. Like I said, you know, they give you the, the car, but you, you got to know what you're doing there, right? Yeah. To, yeah. to continue growing or to survive on that platform, 
there's a lot of things. There's competition. There's dirty tactics. There are changes that get implemented. All of these things, like almost, and more recently in the last eight months, it seems like Amazon's um, change machine has accelerated. You can almost expect that they were going to throw something at you every quarter, like once a quarter. And then recently, I don't know if you see this, Kevin, but it seems like once a week they come out with something new, something different. No, we're, we're not, you can't do that. Fees have changed. In this category, this is now. And now you got to add these other attributes that are mandatory. Uh, you can't do this thing that you, you could do two years ago. Like, and it's coming faster and faster and faster. And it's harder to keep up. What do you think the key to success is for someone? If your best friend was like, hey, I want to, I see what you're doing, this Amazon thing. I, I, I stumbled across a couple of Facebook or YouTube videos. It looks kind of interesting. I think I'm going to get into this. Uh, what would your advice be to them? Start with something that you know. Like, let's say I sold coffee. I don't know. I was I was in the coffee in the coffee industry. Well, maybe you could you know something about how coffee's well better maintained in a mug that has cork on the bottom or a special type of material where it, inside it doesn't degrade to keep the integrity of that coffee. If you know about coffee and that's what you've been working or selling for years. Try to go with something that you know, because when you get on the platform, you're going to be able to withstand some of the issues that come that somebody that just simply researched Helium 10 and then said, oh, I want to be in the top category there because that's the most searched in the category. You're going to probably crash. Uh, so start with something you know and build on that because then you were like, oh, I know I know exactly what to do on product, on product number two. I'm going to talk to Norm Farrar. I'm going to get that beautiful packaging. I'm going to put the, the, like you're talking about knife sets and this and that and the other with him. And I'm going to make that, this coffee mug that was a $10 mug into a $40 coffee mug. And it's going to sell like hot fire because now I know what to do with this product. And I'm going to make the packaging even better, prettier and all that other stuff. And that's my advice. Start with something, even if it's something mundane that you can attach. Maybe there is a particular sleeve. I don't know. You've seen this sleeve you can put on. And now you, you like, you, yeah, I know about, I know a chemist that can help me with these new space age materials. They could put a sleeve on this mug and now the, the coffee stays hotter all day long. Now you don't have to go back and refill with a hot coffee pot anymore. So start with something, you know, your likelihood of success is going to be higher than somebody that's just saying, go buy this hot product. And you said you were, for a long time, you just kept to yourself, kept your head to the ground. We're selling to the, uh, to the office uh, industry. And mm -hmm. recently you, you, you popped up and you said, uh, you know what, I'm going to start getting a little bit more involved and, and come out of my shell a little bit. Value do you see in like groups like the Helium 10 Elite or any other groups that you may be in? Or where are you, are you getting your information? Or where are you in some ma other masterminds that yes. are sharing stuff? Or talk about uh, some, some good ones that, that you may be involved in that... Uh, and the, the value of that. Well, I'm de obviously involved in the Helium 10 Elite group. There's a lot of value in that group. Um, that's why you keep seeing my face come into. I had you had not seen me in there at all, and you've probably been leading those those roundtables for a long time. But I pop my head in there now. Every I, I it's on my calendar. I don't care what's happening. The, those roundtables are on my calendar every month so that I'm there um, listening to and learning at the same time. If I can contribute in that, I do that. I would advise anybody out there that wants to 
take it to that next level. The Helium Elite group is really powerful for that. I, I really love it. I mean, it's great. Uh, as well as some of the MDS, there's a couple of other other people in my circle uh, that, you know, we just informally kind of just talk and exchange information. More recently, we were talking about the, the whole artificial intelligence and how that is a game changer. Um, and definitely, if you're not looking at artificial intelligence, you have to be. Uh, it will save a ton of money, time, and effort for everything you're doing on Amazon. Everything. I agree with that. If you, if you ha- and by the way, if you haven't listened to last week's episode of the AMPM podcast, go back and, and hit that, uh, episode 324, talking with Anthony Lee, uh, all about exactly that, how artificial intelligence is going to have a profound impact on e-commerce. So uh, check that out. And that was something we talked about in the most recent Helium 10 Elite Group roundtable as well. That was uh, some, some really good stuff. It's a game changer, Kevin. You it know, is. it's available for the masses. And if it's not on your radar screen, it is a big mistake. If you're a marketer or you're a business owner or a brand or you're in a brand, you're in a corporate environment, obviously corporations have a different process of getting to those tools because they got to vet them and all these other things. But if you're not that and you're, you're, you're a solopreneur, get with artificial intelligence ASAP. It will make your life easier. You could create listings faster. It does it just as smart. We did an exercise today w- with folks that do our catalog. We took keywords from Helium 10, and I said, make this thing create bullets. Boom. In 10 seconds, we had seven bullet points, all well-written. All, and you, and not, not only that, but then I said, "Tell uh, type in there, create it with FOMO, so that fear of missing out. Boom. Spit out. 10 more results, creating that FOMO kind of concept into the bullets, using the keywords. And now for the folks on my team that create those bullets, that create these descriptions and titles, their jobs got a lot easier and in some ways more fun because now you can play with more possibilities. But essentially you have limitless possibilities with with the artificial intelligence that can create on demand titles, bullets, description, give you tips on how to sort things out uh, in a way that you couldn't do before. You know, uh, it takes a lot of brain power, especially, you know, just think about creating a title that works on Amazon and uses the right keywords. How much time in your brain that takes up to, 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 oh yeah, that's a good one, that's a good one. Time, right? If you have a VA doing it and maybe English is not their first language, this is especially useful for them. No, it's, it's it's a game changer for sure. Well, Rolando, uh, if, if people want to learn more about you, I know you have like a, a podcast you're doing now, right, too? Or yes. you have a, a few things. Uh, how, would, how would people that want to, that liked this episode, like, man, this guy sounds interesting. I want to know more about him uh, or, or reach out to you. How would, how would they do that? Uh, you can check us out. So we have a, a website called circuitloops.com, circuitloops.com, and it's got all of the podcasts that, that we've done. Um, it's also available on Apple and all the rest. Um, but circuitloops.com is where we have that. Uh, I'm on also on LinkedIn. I hang my hat a little bit more on LinkedIn. Um, and so just look up Rolando Rosas, Global Tech. And I'm there. Um, I'm open to uh, working with others that, that need assistance in this arena. Um, and and, I, and I, I'll try to answer your questions as best as I can. Awesome, man. Well, it's been great having you here on the AMPM podcast. I'm sure I'll see you uh, in the next oh, yeah. uh, roundtable coming up. I uh, appreciate you taking the time today to, to come on and uh, share with us. Awesome. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate the opportunity. 
As you can see, Rolando is very successful at what he does and is a very smart guy. This is the type of people that you get to meet in the Helium 10 Elite Roundtable. So if you're not a Helium 10 Elite member, you might consider joining the next time it opens, which I believe will be in March of 2023, if memory serves me right. But to watch for an announcement from Helium 10 about that, if you're on the Helium 10 list, it's definitely worth uh, getting in there because every week and every month with me, we have roundtables where we talk with people like Rolando and just share what's going on out there. It's a, it's a really valuable resource. I hope you really enjoyed this episode, and I'm looking forward to seeing you on the next episode. But before we go, I've got this week's words of wisdom for you. Success without fulfillment is failure. Success without fulfillment is ultimately failure. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.